0: You know, we get wrapped up, we get wrapped up in everything that we're doing all the time because we're busy. Most people think they're busy, <clears throat> but uh, boy, we don't think about things like that. And all of a sudden, you start thinking about those things, and all of a sudden, you realize, hey, what I think is important really doesn't even matter. Christ is coming back one day. What have I done for him? Amen. Can we turn to Magic chapter 7 and John chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 and John chapter 7. If there was ever a political uh, figure, I should say a, a politically incorrect figure of all of history would be Jesus Christ. If they thought that Jesus was intolerant 2,000 years ago, uh, imagine how intolerant he would be today. Uh, if Jesus was against sin and we're sinners, uh, then Jesus is intolerant of everybody, right? Well, didn't Jesus say, judge not? Well, the problem is, is we don't read the rest of the verse. Amen. Don't be that guy that just hangs his entire doctrine, his eternal beliefs, his eternal security on one single verse that you heard somebody say. That happens all the time. Don't be that guy that hears something online and, and, and or, or whatever a preacher says or, or some one-liner and say, yeah, that's what I believe. Because every, every uh, drunkard would come up with some, some verse that says, hey, it's okay to drink, right? Uh, but can we turn to the most quoted verse in Scripture, the most quoted Scripture probably in the world, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. But more precisely, the most misquoted scripture of all time Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 Judge not that ye be not judged. Um, Brother Eric, would you open this message in a word of prayer, sir? When I tell my kids to do something, I want them to, to understand what I'm saying. And so oftentimes if I tell them two or three things, i got to say, okay, wait, 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 and i repeat what I just said. Because they're like me, and I'm like, "Okay," I'm, so they start telling me what to do. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do it. And I just listen to the first thing, and I listen to everything else, right? It's great that you're going to be obedient. It's great that you you, you, you read a verse of Scripture and say, okay, I believe it. It's settled. Good to go. It, 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 I mean, I, I Appreciate the enthusiasm of uh, judge not lest you be judged. Amen. We're not going to judge anymore. But I would hope that my kids, when I tell them to do something, that they don't quit listening as I'm still talking to them. Because that's what happens. Right, right. Sure. And then when we read Scripture, I mean, amen, the Scripture says that. But so many people will tune out because, because they've heard the Scripture before. They tune out. They're not listening to the rest of it. Matthew 7 1 says, judge not that ye be not judged. Verse 2 says, for with what judgment ye shall judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold the beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, then thou shalt clearly see Uh, Clearly, uh, then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. God tells us not to judge, but then he tells us to judge in the very next verse. Number one this morning, and I don't know how far I'll get, but number one this morning is righteous judgment. Turn to John chapter 7, verse 24. John chapter 7, verse 24. I just want to be clear. God's not telling us not to judge. He's telling us how to judge. That is the context to make to make righteous judgment. I mean, I mean, if, there there are people that take the, the scripture um, literally every time, missing the entire context. I mean, if you're going to take scripture literally every time, then take every parable that Jesus ever said. And almost everything he said was in parable form. Now you have to be like, man, what's he talking about with the olive tree? We've got to go find an olive tree somewhere and figure out where... Like, no, there's symbolism and parallelism and typology. I mean, right? right? We need to take things in contest. It's a contest, amen. We're, we'll see who wins at the end, right? But we'll get so wrapped up in one verse and forget to look at the whole thing, right? Um. Matthew chapter seven, verse twenty-four says, "Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment." So, one verse is telling us don't don't judge. Another verse is telling us to judge. He's telling us how to judge, how to judge. Uh, um, turn to Romans chapter two, verse one. Romans chapter two, verse one. Really, Jesus is teaching us here. He's saying, "Get the beam out of uh, your own eye before we get the toothpick out of somebody else's." Is really what it is, and that's almost always what's happening. Uh, it, it's, it's, you know, anyone that's ever had kids can clearly see this, or been in a management or an authority position where you're where you're over people. You have because because you know people are blind to their own sin, like like always, right? So you have the one kid um, say. Uh, Ava is uh, being selfish and hateful to Roman because she doesn't want Roman to play with the truck that she's playing with. Totally having an oversight that she stole the truck from Adeline, right? But that's what we do as adults. We're like, oh, look what they're doing. Shame on them. I'm going to rebuke them. Call them out. But really, have you examined your own life? Say, preacher, what are you talking about? I'm talking about myself too. Because I'm imperfect, and you're not perfect, and you're not perfect, and you mess up, and you mess up, because we're imperfect people. Amen. Amen. Uh, there, uh, Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou uh, that judgest doeth the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man... That judges them which do such things and doest the same that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. You say, Pastor, you can't judge a book by its cover. That's right. Only God knows the heart. But what do I always say about that? You can't judge a book by its cover, but you can sure tell a whole lot. The author literally is trying to show you what's in the book, advertise what's in the book by what's on the outside. What are teenagers trying to do? They're trying to advertise their, their, their attitude. They're trying to advertise their marketing with what they wear. And the common thing now is, well, I just, well, whatever's comfortable. Whatever's comfortable. Yeah. Like we're going to go to a wedding in uh, shorts and sandals. I don't think so. That would be comfortable to be in pajama pants when I go to the bank, but it's not happening. There's a measure of respect where you go. Amen. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. You don't have to turn there, but 1 Samuel sixteen seven. 7. Uh, but the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or into the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For the man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. What's on the outside is a reflection of what's on the inside. Why does the girls, uh, young girls, always want to wear their shorts too, too short or too high? high shorts yeah yeah I don't know how that wording goes but they're always way up here well it's really a heart problem right. they're just being rebellious and it's always the same thing you're always trying to push some boundary it's really just it's a this problem because when this is right what's your attitude going to be I want to respect where I'm going amen Luke chapter 6, verse 43. Did I tell you to turn there yet? Luke six forty three. Amen. Jesus said, For a good tree bringeth not uh, forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. But every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do gather figs, nor of a, of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil tre- treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil, for the abundance of the heart... The mouth, his mouth speaketh. Boy, isn't that the truth. You love the Lord? I think you're here this morning because you love the Lord. Do you call yourself a Christian? You know that we, we represent Christ everywhere we go. The God I serve is worth living for. The God I serve is worth striving to be godly for. As opposed to being worried about my own comfort every single moment of the day. How about worried about appearance? How about worried about uh, uh, honoring God where I am? The God I serve is worth putting him first and everything else second. And if we we love the Lord, we should have a desire not to look and act like the world, but to look and act godly and presentable to anyone and everyone we meet. All that to say this, Jesus tells us to judge, but more specifically to judge righteously. Number one, righteous judgment. Number two, and this is my final point this morning, righteous anger. Can we turn to Matthew chapter 21 verse 12? Matthew 21 verse 12, righteous anger. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all of them that sold and bought in the temple and over through the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. I did this once before. I'm going to do it again. I want to prove a point this morning. When you're silent, you focus. You know that Penn and Teller magicians? I love watching them, guys. I love those magic acts. I know it's silliness, but I love it. You know why Teller, thank you, is quiet all the time? Because he was doing a magic show at some fraternity college party. He says nobody was listening to him. They were just doing all their thing and nobody was paying any mind. So he quit trying to get their attention. He just became super quiet and he just started doing it. He had a It was a hanky one, I think, and he started doing it just, just quietly. And all of a sudden, people started paying attention. People started looking at what was going on. And all of a sudden, they started focusing on what he was doing. He rea- realized the power of being silent, being quiet. All of a sudden, the, the focus changes. That's why it's important not to talk during church. I know we know this, but right, it and, and needs to be reminded. It, it takes the attention. It takes my attention away. It takes my thoughts from where I'm going, but it takes the thoughts away from other people too. Amen. You say where are you going? I'm going somewhere with this. I promise. Do, do we, does anybody here besides my family and all my family knows how loud doves can be? They can be loud. Yeah. Amen. They're loud. Beautiful. Beautiful loud and we had three doves in the house and and man they would they would just not shut their little yappers and they would just make all these just so loud and um <clears throat> now think about that loudness with a bunch of doves being loud now think about being in the marketplace and, you know, the, the, the sound of people talking, exchanging money and, and selling this and selling that and all, you know, all these kinds of things, it's loud in the marketplace because, yeah, you know, I'll take $4 for that. You no, know, I'll take 3 You know, I'll do this. Uh, give me two loaves of bread. How much is that? Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, you, you got a cheaper price last week. Now try combining both of those. Say, where are you going with this? Now combine both of those and, and put it all right in the back of the auditorium. The sound of these doves making all this noise, as beautiful as they are, then you have the sound of everybody conducting business. It's a complete racket when we're trying to have church. God's not happy about that. You say, where are you going, pastor? I'm going somewhere. Turn to John chapter 2, verse 13. God is a house of worship, not a house of talking a house of noise a house of uh, 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 uh of distraction uh, um we we used to travel and sing a lot and there was um a free will baptist church that we went to and um we had cds that we would sell and uh, often before we'd ask the pastor we have cds if you'd like to sell them." he said absolutely but do it on the front porch he said oh okay and he had us do it out of the auditorium out in the church completely out on the front porch it was, like, really windy, and it just didn't work, you know. But, but the point is is, is is they didn't even want to sell Avon in here. They didn't want to sell, I mean, and that's fine, and I respect them for that, right? Uh, if you want to sell Avon in the back, I don't care. But the, the point is they, 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 they so didn't want to have any resemblance of this scene in Scripture where they're selling and trying to make money in the church house. The auditorium should be a special place. Let's see what John wrote about the same event when Jesus got mad and grabbed. Let's grab a different perspective. Look at this. John chapter 2, verse 13. <clears throat> and the Jewish Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that uh, sold oxen and sheep and doves and the, and the changers of money sitting. Sheep and oxen, add that to the doves. Amen. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, talking about Jesus now, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. Can I just note here while we're reading that Jesus made a scourge of small cords? That's, that's like, I picture this long, but who, who knows what small cords, but, he, but Jesus clearly upset what was, with what was happening. He's angry about it. Keep in mind, he's got to make a judgment call on what to do. He takes the time to get some twine or rope or whatever he does, and he starts t- putting these cords together. And oftentimes, when they would, the term scourge of cords, if I'm saying that right, they would oftentimes put a little beads or something on the end. I don't know if he did all that. I, I doubt it. But, but, but it clearly, Jesus took the time to make this. So, it wasn't. so, hey, when you spank your kids, do not do it out of a knee-jerk reaction. Send them to the room. You think that's for the kid's sake? Yeah, the tension is great. It's good for them. But so for mom and dad to calm down. Because when you discipline out of a knee-jerk reaction, that is abuse. Because you're doing it out of anger. Shame on you. Jesus didn't just come in and see what was happening, get all angry, flip the tables over, make a big scene. No, he saw what was happening. With righteous anger, making the correct judgment call, he took his time in his wisdom, made these cords. He's like, I'm going to drive these guys out. Then he, then, he, then he did. Continue reading on. <clears throat> Uh, Verse 16, and and, and said unto them that sold the doves, take these things hence; make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. What did they remember? They remembered the Old Testament scriptures. You don't have to turn there for the sake of time, but Psalm 69, 9 says, for the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. The world needs, the world needs, the lost world needs Christians that care about the house of God. The world needs uh, 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 Christians that have a zeal for the house of God. Not, I have to go, but what can I do for the house of God? What can I do for my Lord? Amen. Righteous judgment is intolerance to sin. Was Jesus intolerant? Yes. He would have never made a good president in the United States in our eyes. Amen. You say, well, you Christians just hate everybody. That, that couldn't be further from the truth. Jesus did not hate those money changers, those people selling stuff in the church house. He did not hate them. No, no, no. He loved them. But there's a righteous anger that, that happens. Amen. Amen. I couldn't love my children any more than I do, but I hate it when I see sin in their life. I hate it. I love my boys, but not their sins. I knew a little girl that well, blatantly would lie to her parents years ago. Blatantly lied to her parents. I think she was seven years old. And and her parents actually, and it was like some serious things, and I, in in in. I wasn't being nosy. I was, it was, I was very involved. And I said, you know, so-and-so, I said, she keeps telling me this, and, you know, it's just not true. I just want you to know. They said, well, that's not possible. So said, what are you talking about? I said, well, my, my, my daughter doesn't lie. I said, well, so-and-so, she, she is. And I said, I know. I said, I got kids, too. I mean, you know, kids go through phases. People do whatever. I'm telling you, she's saying this, and it's, it's just not true. He goes, no, 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 you don't understand. She's only She's only seven. She hasn't learned the art of lying yet. You think parents don't put their kids in a bubble? Miss Aaron's like, oh, yes, they do. Amen. Oh, not my kid. He would never do that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, your kid's probably the worst if you think that. Amen. Jesus died for the sins of the world because he loves sinners, not because he loves sin, he hates sin. He hates sin, but yet we're all a bunch of sinners, amen? Jesus didn't tolerate sin, and he judged righteously. When he kicked Satan and his angel buddies out of the garden, when he found Adam and Eve uh, sinning in the garden, did he hate them? No. But there's a consequence for your sins, amen? When, when, when he destroyed the earth with a flood, right? Why did he destroy it? Because of the abundance of sin. It wasn't because he hated everybody. When, 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 When Jesus walked on the earth, walked and talked seemingly with Adam and Eve in the garden, he hated sin back then. God doesn't change. He still hates sin. He hasn't changed at all. Just because we're way more sinners than we ever used to be, And if you don't think that's true, then you're not being honest with yourself and you're putting yourself in a bubble. Can you imagine just how much God loves us? Because I try to imagine, but I can't, that he would actually send his only son to die for you and for me. Because I know the wicked thoughts that I have. I know the wicked things that I've done. he still loved me enough to send his only son to die. I don't think I could send any of my boys to die, let alone if I had just one. Closing intolerance, like society would have you to believe, is not a bad word. Intolerance can be a good word. (laughs) And we need to be intolerant to sin. We need to judge righteously. Amen. We need to be angry and sin not. Amen. So when somebody says, "Well, don't judge or don't judge me," that would be a great opportunity to open up a Bible, say, "Hey, let's go, let's go look that up," and then show them where it says, "Yeah, it says don't judge." Then continue the context where he talks about how to judge and. Show them that there's a righteous judgment. And take that righteous judgment and say, hey, th- there's things that we make decisions about. You go, you go to a, a, a Starbucks. You've got to make 1,000 decisions on what coffee to have. You go to the grocery store. You've got to make 100 decisions on which one to get, which brand. You're judging all the time. You have to judge when you, you allow children to come near your children, spend time with them, people to come into your house. You have to make judgments, should I allow this in my little circle or not? Judging is not wrong. It's silly to say so. But it's how to judge that's important. And when we say, when, when a lost world says things like, well, well, this is my doctrinal stance because uh, I'm living good enough, so therefore, because, because uh, uh, my pastor or my priest or my mom or my dad or my grandma or grandpa said all i got to do is do these good things or go to church ever so often or confess to a priest or whatever going to hang your head on that. Ignore what scripture says. That's a bad, bad judgment. If you're not saved this morning, I hope that you are saved. You say, well, that's just a man made. No, no. Jesus literally coined the term saved. Amen. Look it up. It's scripture. That's what we stand on. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer and we'll have an invitation. Dear Lord, I pray that you bless this message as feeble as it is. Lord, help us to...